Thank you for choosing Talks News, your one and only source inside the wolf of Wall Street. I am your host, the wacko weirdo rebel scum Jedi hero. And I applaud you for choosing Talks News. What's the what's the thing going on today, huh? Well, it seems that uh short selling stocks, GameStop, and Redditors seem to be popping right now. Um so we're gonna do a little bit of the right wing's perspective on what just happened with GameStop. So it's it's gonna be focused on that. Um, if you're not interested in this, please step away. Please step back. Uh, we have two Daily Wire videos covering this. I uh, kind of annoyingly buzzed around uh, Ben Shapiro's Twitter yesterday to just kind of I don't know, I don't know, cry for attention in his replies, but. I, I ended up pointing out that um, Ben Shapiro was taking the time out of his day to undermine what actually happened with the Reddit investments um, and how it actually played out because Ben Shapiro didn't like how uh, the stock market and a hedge fund were getting undermined. So I decided, oh, I'm going to say something about it. And I guess I could show you the, the tweets that I had sent to him. And we can start there. But to add a cherry on top of the cake, um, I have a Dave Rubin on Glenn Beck show video that I want to get into just because just because it really doesn't have too much. I mean, they're talking in generalities of like what's going on right now, but um, for the most part, still want to just dive into it a little bit because Glenn Beck is like a fringe conspiracy theorist a bit. And uh, Dave Rubin is uh, just an empty shell for <laughs> Uh, high-level ideas. So, where did I get in on Ben Shapiro here? Let's go to my Twitter here. You can see it on YouTube, at ToxinPod, T-O-X-N-P-O-D. Let's see here. Uh, here was an interesting video that Glenn Beck did yesterday that I found interesting. Um, everybody kind of, like, always has this argument about, um, you know, what the... Po the the political ideology of Russia and China because like whenever you have a communist conversation in the United States everybody equates it to today's uh, Russia or today's China and sometimes even the early 1900s Stalin uh, Russia or a uh, Mao China it's always compared there but what I found interesting here is that um, you know Glenn Beck a right wing thought leader uh did admit here reluctantly that uh there that these communist countries are uh operating under state capitalism so i find that just pretty interesting because like how can you be communist like of course they say uh communist party of china so um or the chinese communist party the ccp and then russia also claims to be communist but like when you ask a leftist they always go well that's not real communism um and it just kind of like muddies the political spectrum here in america and the understanding of politics here like that's why we don't understand that there's not a real leftist party in the government um but you know if you're getting authoritarianism out of your so-called communism not quite really the ground definition of communism especially when you haven't uh made it to a wageless classless stateless society um but ha I guess like them having that, we have to always say, well, Russia's communism, because no matter what, people are going to equate the communism to that nation, even though it's not necessarily what uh, communism was intended for. So I just want to 
highlight here that Glenn Beck will constantly use how Russia and China are communism are communist uh, dystopias, and that's why we should avoid it at all costs. And um, but he plays the hand a little bit here. So let's uh, let's get it. Capitalism. OK, this is the this this is from the World Economic Forum. Types of capitalism, state capitalism. That's where the government is the key stakeholder. Government steers the economy and can intervene where necessary. It's China's model, right? Russia's model, in theory. Mm, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. State capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, business interests are subsidiary to state interests. Okay, so... If the state says we're going to do something, the businesses have to do it. That's state capitalism. Types of capital. So just reluctantly going, mm, yeah, that's what they are. But whenever the conversation comes up, they will use communism as a uh, like a, a derogative term to talk about. Well, look at how bad the freedoms are of the of people over here. When really they use communism merely as this like nomenclature just to put forward and say this is how benevolent we are. When in reality there is no dictatorship of the proletariat. There is no means of the production in the hands of workers. Um, so, you know, we always have to say communist Russia, but what we really mean is state capitalists. Um, so, um, Ben Shapiro immediately yesterday morning had tweeted out a few tweets here and I decided to come in and, you know, talk my shit. Um, nevertheless, Ben Shapiro said much of the enthusiasm from the GameStop prank, it's a prank, is rooted in a fundamental misconception that the stock market is merely a casino. This is untrue. And then he goes through on how, why, like why we should take um, stocks and markets seriously. Um, the GameStop guys believe the market is cas- is a casino, that stock traders are speculators who do not provide, and that purely gaming the system is how they make their money. If we all believe that, nobody should invest in the stock market, period. Unfortunately, that is like how hedge funds work. That's exactly how hedge funds work, is that they use uh, speculation to move money around and to make profits. That's exactly how hedge funds work. It is actually illegal to engage in the pump, pure pump and dump in which you lie to fellow investors about undervalued stocks in order to make the profits when you drive up the price and sell. And that's what happened with the subprime uh, loans and the CDOs uh, during the housing crisis is that the, uh, the banks um, marked up the price for a lot of their subprime loan bonds. A lot of their mortgage bonds had completely shit uh, loans in them and they were defaulting but they still upped the price and tried to sell them out before they finally did crash. Um, so what the GameStop, uh, Ben Shapiro continues here, what the GameStop guys are doing isn't illegal because they are not lying. They admit GameStop isn't worth much, except when they invested that much, it is actually worth that much. Ben's merely pointing out here that GameStop was on its way out, and there's really no reason for this investment other than to dunk on a bunch of hedge funds, which is true. But if the investors who I, you know, their Reddit was taken down, so I'm not sure how far this is going, but as long as they hold the line, um, GameStop will actually be able to use that capital, hopefully for a second wind. I don't know what GameStop can do to innovate itself, to continue competing with the Xbox Live store that's in everybody's Xboxes, Steam, uh, the PlayStation store, or even the myriad of streaming services that are coming out like Google Stadia. So um, I don't, I'm not sure like GameStop's going to be able to turn its trajectory around with this massive flux in investment, but it is a possibility that Ben Shapiro seems to be ignoring here. Um, uh, so what, what else does he say here? Um, 
In other words, there is a reason hashtag eat the rich is trending. The motivating factor here isn't really hedge fund corruption. If you're worried about bailouts, as I am, you should be telling the government to stop bailing out financial firms. It's pure dislike for hedge fund guys. Um, kind of. The it's That's not what, like, nobody's really accusing the hedge fund of, uh, like, corruption. But there is kind of, like, an eth ethical question here of, like, when you bet against uh, something to fail. That's what short betting necessarily is, is that you're hoping that the continued decline of your of, of the stocks that you have security bonds on keeps going down low. And then when it drops really low, you you, you, you buy all those stocks and then sell them off. So you, you're basically um, making a profit off of the, the, the degradation of a business. Um, so there's like an ethical question because had the hedge fund met its goal on the expiration date of GameStop, people would have lost their jobs. And it, it's something that was brought up with the people who shorted the housing market is that, yes, they made billions of dollars from the stupidity and ignorance of the banking system, but they also were profiting at the time when mass evictions and uh, savings accounts, 401ks were disappearing, like a massive economic shift happened around the globe. And people in America who bet against the, uh, the housing market ended up making a profit during that time. So while millions suffered, few made tons of money. And then the government also came in and bailed out all the banks because they had to uh, pay up all of those, uh, you know, those short, short end bets while also losing all of the money from their terrible mortgage bonds so he finishes off here some hedge fund guys are jackasses some aren't but undermining confidence in the pricing mechanism of the market to make some quick cash and screw those guys isn't virtue though again it would take a heart of stone not to laugh so like what honestly does he find that's funny here if if uh if the 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 screwing over the hedge funds waiting for the failure of uh GameStop isn't a virtue people who solely make money not even off of like anything productive other than moving money around through the stock market um so i'm not really sure what he's laughing at here i don't other than pandering to to the to the populism of this of this certain story because uh this is like small investors average working joes making a huge wave so i feel like him just kind of like downplaying the the actual momentum of this event that it was a decentralized investment move collective investment by internet people who they also call internet trolls to downplay them and calling it pranks and screwing these guys and over virtue but it's still laughable like it's a play in populism because he doesn't want to sound like he's against small investors making big making big moves making big money but he also doesn't want them to sound like they did anything significant other than prank a hedge fund because they don't want this kind of behavior repeating especially since acorn and robin hood are incredibly accessible to uh, small investors, small earners. So uh, Shoe on Head even came in here and said prank because like it's so obvious he's trying to undermine it. Um, before she had done that, I got my tweet out here that I can't find now. Let's see. 
do 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 because I I had made a a point that he's trying to undermine the situation of what had actually gone on. So I'm just trying to get down to where that is. So um, I simply responded, Ben doesn't like people who undermine hedge funds or the stock market. So he's going to undermine the people who collectively gamed both. Uh, someone had responded, you need to read what he said again, because that's not the takeaway here. And this is my like fourth time reading it. And it is still my takeaway from that. Um, I responded to him because when he said, you need to read that again, um, I had two responses to him. One was before Ben finished his thread, which was like, well, what's your take? Because this, that's, that's all I'm getting from this. Like, what is your takeaway? Um, and I think he had responded that like, he's just talking about the, uh, he is talking about the system as a whole. Nothing he said was wrong. And I still don't agree to that. Um, because you know, he's, yeah, Ben's not really stating any untruths here. He's just trying to downplay the situation. And I just simply responded because once some hedge fund guys are jackasses, some aren't, but undermining confidence in the pricing mechanism of the market to make some quick cash and screw those guys isn't virtue. Though, again, it would take a heart of stone not to laugh. That's that's the perfect tweet of him downplaying the situation here. Um, and so I simply said that's exactly what he's doing. He wants you to feel bad for hedge funds because something unexpected happened, and he doesn't want that unexpected to be taken seriously or more people will do it. And I still feel that way. So we're going to get into uh, first Michael Knowles because his video is a little bit more narrative driven than uh, Ben Shapiro's. Ben Shapiro actually does a breakdown of how stocks work. Um, but uh, we'll start with Michael Knowles. Uh, but first, I think the pod here should get a firm grasp of how an investor makes money from short selling. Uh, this comes from Investopedia. So I'm going to read a couple here just to get a quick overview so that we can continue on with the segments. So it says one way to make money on stocks for which the price is falling is called short selling or going short. Short selling is a fairly simple concept. An investor borrows a stock, sells the stock, and then buys the stock back to return it to the lender. Short sellers are betting that the stock they sell will drop in price. If the stock does drop after selling, the short seller buys it back at a lower price and returns it to the lender. The difference between the sell price and the buy price is the profit. So it's merely a mechanism to uh, profit off of the decline of a stock. Short sellers are betting that a stock will drop in price. Short selling is riskier than going long on a stock because, theoretically, there is no limit to the amount you could lose. Speculators short sell to capitalize on a decline, while hedgers go short to protect gains or minimize losses. Short selling, when it is successful, can net the investor a nice profit in the short term as stocks tend to lose value faster than they appreciate, which is not what happened in the GameStop situation. The, 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 uh, the value appreciated much, 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 much higher uh, when the expiration date was uh, pending for the borrowed uh, borrowed uh, stocks that the um, uh, the investors or the hedge fund had, those borrowed stocks that they sold rose in value. So when they were supposed to buy them back cheaper and give them back to the broker, 
the price was way too high and they would have had to buy the stocks at that price, which was uh, some screenshot showed for 2069. Not 100% sure where it's at right now. We can check really quick, though. The stock is GME. And this happened across the board with AMC, Nokia. Um, it seems... Oh, I guess it's at three uh, 338 right now. Um, the highest was about yesterday, 9.30 a.m. at 3.81. But then there's also been a lot of fuckery with Robinhood um, stopping the trade of uh, GameStop, basically only allowing people who already had stock to sell it. So they weren't allowing anybody else to buy more stocks. And apparently this also has to deal with a bit of investment that Robinhood has uh, through its parent company, who is also invested in... Um, Melvin Capital, who is the hedge fund that tried to short, um, that tried to short GameStop's stock. Um, so, for an example of short sale from Investopedia, uh, if an investor thinks that Tesla stock is overvalued at six twenty-five per share and is going to drop in price, the investor may borrow ten shares of Tesla from their broker or bank, or yeah. And this is what the hedge fund did. The hedge fund is the investor who borrowed 10 shares of Tesla from their broker, usually a bank, who then sells it for the current market price of 625. So they borrow 10 shares and they gain that money in the 625. If the stock goes down to 500, the investor could buy the 10 shares back at this price, return the shares to their broker and net a profit of $1,000 250. However, if the Tesla price rises to $700, the investor would lose $750. So honestly, there's a, there is a quick way here for them to lose money. And that's exactly what happened for uh, the hedge fund companies here. Or mostly just Melvin Capital, who I'm aware of. Uh, in the AMC and Nokia situations, those have def different investors involved. But the idea is to borrow and not necessarily pay for those stocks at the the price. You borrow those stocks, the broker then sells those stocks. And then once the price drops, you buy those stocks back and sell and then give them back to the lender who lended you that original amount of stocks. It's not really even I don't really like it, but it was something that was created around the time um, the housing market crashed. So let's get into Michael Knowles and what he thinks. The stock is, uh, it dropped about, it's, if you go on Google on your laptop or computer or whatever, the stock actually updates like while the, the stock exchange is open. It's pretty cool. So we can just keep it here while we do this. This story about GameStop and the GameStop stock price going through the roof, this is the single funniest story that I have seen in years. And not only is it hilarious in and of itself, but it actually has deep political implications. And the political implications are simply delightful. 
I, I fear that because this involves finance and involves investing, it, this story might be a little too complicated for most people who aren't going to pay very close attention to it to understand just how funny it is. So I'll try to break it down very simply because I don't know anything about finance either, but I, I've at least read a fair bit about this particular uh, once in a century type of event, once in a lifetime type of event. A bunch of what I'm really shocked here is that like he has to tell us what's funny about the situation. Um, so like I, again, like I think it's funny how right wingers just blatantly rather than here to like report the news are here to explain it. That's that's what like pundits, commentators, and um, uh, thought leaders are in in the public sphere to do. And here I am. Here I am to respond to it. Internet trolls on the Reddit board Wall Street Bets decided that Wall Street Bets, this is like an irreverent investing board. This is not like a sober, serious investing board. They just put up kind of crazy, risky bet ideas. They noticed that hedge funds had taken a short position on GameStop. GameStop is this video game store, right? You, you know what GameStop is. It doesn't have a ton of growth potential. It seems like it's kind of heading out the door, kind of like Blockbuster, some of these old companies. So these internet trolls discover that Wall Street took out. What I find very funny is that he's like, you know what GameStop is. I don't have to explain GameStop. It's like, yeah, you don't. So use that time to explain the what short selling is. Use your time to inform your viewers about the uh, the workings of economics. Um, and then, of course, he like begins explaining this story by saying Internet trolls. Downplaying, downplaying, even though there's not necessarily like a real organization we can put into this. If this had happened just without the Internet, you wouldn't call them trolls. You would call them people. Got a big short position on this, specifically one hedge fund called Melvin Capital and a so like we're we're mainly going to be watching them seriously downplaying the collective investment of people that happened. And you know, a lot of things seem to be like a lot of events in the internet seem to be hitting a singularity, like uh monopoly, uh censorship and now the power of the internet and then on top of it with Robinhood um shutting down the set or the purchasing of GameStop stocks. Um you're also seeing like uh, market manipulation, there's class action lawsuits going on, going out because of that. So the fascinating thing to me here is that there's like a singularity of events that are happening just because of the internet. A short position is when basically when you're betting against the stock. So if the stock price goes down, you make a lot of money. And if the stock price goes up, not only do you lose money, but you've got to start buying it up. So you've got to start putting more cash on the table to cover your losses, right? So GameStop, though, it was trading at like $6 not that long ago. It wasn't doing great. Uh, hedge funds take out huge short positions on this. And these trolls at Wall Street Bets decide, you know, we're going to make this stock price on this kind of crappy company go through the roof. And maybe we'll make some money in the process. But more importantly, we are just going to mess with these hedge funds. <laughs> these guys, we have no sympathy for them. We're going to completely mess with the financial establishment. And the craziest thing is, it's working. The, the board has, I think, 2 million members. And so 
I, I was asking myself when this was going on, how, why hasn't this been done before? And the reason is you've never had this kind of the, the technology to do it, you know, to wrangle like 2 million of these kind of eccentric type of people. But you've also never had the memes. You've never had the humor. You've never had the specific political conditions of people wanting to flip the bird to the establishment, which they believe has royally screwed them over in in recent months. You've had... I mean, this is just like, honestly, the evolving issue of Occupy Wall Street that happened like 2008. Um, So I think it's it's ultimately like the evolution of that people being sick and tired of uh wall street's greed and also thinking they're the only ones who are capable to uh participate in the uh market specifically the stock market so um i just yeah i just think that's interesting and he he he's focusing in on how like humor was the necessity for all of this that it, it just kind of roots everything into that prank and doesn't necessarily give it any kind of like uh i guess political validity um but even though like this is kind of moving along uh economic and political lines where like um rich people are asking for regulations on on all of this um when honestly their position was made public that they were going to short GameStop and people took advantage of that. That's how the stock market Individual works. aspects of that kind of thing, but you've never had it all coincide. This whole phenomenon is very internet-y. Okay. So it's very, the kind of lingo that people use, they'll, they'll be joking about how, you know, they're just going to grit their teeth and take some of the losses until their mom brings them chicken tendies into the basement, you know, and they, they're using all this kind of See, yet again, he's downplaying the people who did this. He's he's building this image to them that, like, makes them look like just a bunch of, uh, you know, homestead uh, millennials. When, you know, it, sure, that could probably be um, obvious to most, right? Or, or not obvious to most, Jesus. That could be the case for some. Like, there's probably some kids who just made an, enough money to move out of mama's basement off of this stock investment. But to build that caricature as if that's everybody who's participating in it is downplaying the whole situation. Um, and it's just making it look like the, the people who, who did this are the same people who flood K-pop memes when, uh, Nazis speak up. Um, I think this is a growing situation here and that's why they're allowed to play this like a uh, game of infantizing, <laughs> like downplaying the, the, the the movement here um and you know it, it's fair just because there's not necessarily an organized movement to paint a uh, put a face on this but um i just want to keep highlighting here how much they're downplaying with their um with the words that they're associating with the people who did this very internet lingo they, they actually they have like sea shanties that are being posted. They posted one last night about how we've got to, uh, we've just got to hold on as the financial in- industry pushes back because we're all going to make a bunch of money and bankrupt Wall Street. There once was a stock that put to sea. The name of the stock was GME. The price blew up and the short stepped down. Hold my bully boys, hold. <gasps> 
Soon may the Tendy Man come to send a rocket into the sun. One day when the trading is done, we'll take our gains and go. She had not been two weeks from shore when Ryan Cohen joined the board. The captain called all hands and swore he'd take his shares and hold. <gasps> Soon may the Tendy Man come to send a rocket the into man, the sun. One day when the, the trading chicken is done, we'll take our gains and go. <laughs> goes on, I encourage you to listen to the entire shanty. It goes on and on like this. Uh, So far, GameStop, not a great company, uh, is up something like 2,500% this month. The stock has hit, I think, $460 a share. AMC Movies, this is another company that's basically headed for bankruptcy, right? Because no one's going to the movies anymore. AMC, they sent this one through the roof. They sent BlackBerry up, you know, the old cell phone company. That's up 250%. I think they were going to target Nokia as well, another cell phone company that, that nobody uses anymore. It's all just a huge meme. It could be, but what I'm very interested in seeing is that, like, if the companies are able to utilize these massive investments and actually return those investments to their investors, um, maybe, maybe. But it, it like, either way, the, the somebody is going to end up profiting off the short term, uh, success and then failure of these companies, and the people who bought all these stocks are eventually going to sell them at a pretty high price and make money and then the hedge funds will come back in like the vultures that they are and eat the corpse once the stock fails again if it does but we have to eventually see the outcome of what these investments are going to do if amc is able to utilize this capital into actually building a better business model post pandemic maybe but um it 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 could all just be for the memes but in the long run it shows that uh people who use Robinhood, Acorn, and small investors can have a pretty large impact when they uh, coordinate. However, the meme is becoming reality. <laughs> so the, the internet joke is totally affecting reality, and it's going to put hedge funds out of business. There was like this uh, article that had come out just after the situation, and it says how the meme stocks have risen. And then my friend just sent me an article talking about how Elon Musk and uh, Reddit is basically affecting the stock market with every post. It's very interesting stuff going on right now, and how much effect the internet's actually having. Gabe Plotkin, who's the, the hedge fund uh, trader uh, at Melvin Capital. Uh, he, he was the one with the biggest short position. Yesterday, when this news broke, he had to raise almost $3 billion <laughs> to, to bail out the fund. Uh, Squawk Box, which is, you know, the very serious sort of CNBC financial news show, they just couldn't make any sense of it. You know, we've mentioned social media. I couldn't help but uh, it's not obviously similar to, to some of this uh, controversy surrounding Facebook and Twitter and everything else. But, but once again, what, what's... One of, the, um, one of the things that we're talking about is m- maybe misinformation and, and uh, pump and dumps, and it's occurring on social media again. It just, I, I'm wondering whether it's part of the same problem, the type of regulation that... that... <laughs> what I find very fascinating here is how he like, is close to the mark of making a point, but also just throws out words that are supposed to make the point, but he honestly doesn't seem to know what he's talking about. And that's going to be the problem for the boomers. And as like the internet continues to take further control of our society and organizing our politics and our economics at this point. And that's, it's fantastic that it's like watching somebody be aged out of culture is pretty interesting. (laughs) 
uh, that we finally need to, uh, to consider. And like I said, uh, we should always have a light touch with regulation, but you're, you're seeing the way things can get started. Again, this is different. Maybe it's Reddit. Maybe it's not Facebook. But you're seeing the, 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 the same situation. At this point, it's not about an election. It's not about a, uh, an insurrection. But there are interesting things happening that, that seem to be spawned to some extent or at least, a, at least blown out of proportion by social media again. That entire monologue was completely meaningless. That guy has absolutely no idea what he's talking about. (laughs) First of all, some of the things he's saying are just factually not true. He's saying this might be a pump and dump. It's not a pump and dump. Pump and dump is where you pick a stock cynically, you bring up the price really, really high, and then you try to find a bigger idiot to sell it to. So you're going to totally mess that guy over, but you're going to make money at his expense. That's not what's going on here. What's going on here is these internet trolls found a giant short position from a giant institutional investor. And they said, nah, I don't think so. We're not going to let you guys do that. And so then this uh, financial analyst on CNBC says, well, I don't know, maybe it's, uh, uh, maybe we need to regulate this. I mean, we want a light touch on regulation, but we can't, we can't let these guys do it. What he's really saying is, We don't want any regulation for the institutional investors. We don't want any regulation for Wall Street when they do this exact thing. But we do want regulation for ordinary people. (laughs) We we can't let individual investors do this kind of thing. Then the whole game's going to be up. What is going on here is not. That last like minute is probably the only thing that I agree uh, with Michael Knowles on this segment. But he keeps saying Internet trolls to specifically downplay the, the exercise of people's investments. Um, we don't speak about this way about anybody if they put this act outside of an internet forum. Primarily a financial phenomenon. It's a political phenomenon. And it is the same phenomenon that you've been seeing build up, coinciding, in part caused by, in part causing the Trump phenomenon. It's ordinary. Now, this connection of the dot, I don't like because it's merely just trying to get people to like, oh, man, I should have been on the Trump train this whole time because it's so anti-establishment. Trump's not anti-establishment. Never has been. Very people rebelling against. He, he merely used populism in the same way that Russia uses communism to, to show his some sort of benevolence to the worker man. And it's, no, no. An established elite that they don't have any faith in. A lot of times this word populism gets thrown around and I think it's often sort of a silly word because I don't think people are either populists or elitists. For instance, if we have a good elite, most voters aren't going to be like populists because they're already in their own self-interest. Populists are for like politicians and people who have public appearances to use so that they can use that nomenclature to say, I am here for the people. Um, and that's why like the Fox News will put that uh, nomenclature on um, Trump or, you know, other news outlets will use that on Bernie Sanders is because they have the they have their fingers on the pulse of society. Um, but it's not really a name for uh, like voters to use because you are the populace. You're the population. Like that's wouldn't make sense. It's somebody who says I represent the people over the elites. So it wouldn't make sense for you to be a populist. No, that wouldn't make very much sense unless you were running for office. Then I'm an elitist. If we can have a good, virtuous, smart, thoughtful elite, then great, works for me. I, count me in the elitism category. But we don't have that. 
We have a bunch. That doesn't make sense either. Why would you have a benevolent elitist? If you if you put those two terms together, they're probably showing most of their benevolence towards the elite. They're they're working in their class interests. They're working for the class that they represent or that they come from. So how can you have a populist elite? That makes no sense. It makes it's, it's contradictory. It's it's a contradictory statement to the definition of populism. Bunch of corrupt, cynical idiots in our so-called elite. And so with that kind of an elite, I'm, I'm the opposite of an elitist. I'm the furthest thing from, I'm a total populist. If the elites that we are currently governed by are hipster Rasputin Jack Dorsey, a grown man with a, with a nose ring, and the crooks of the Obama-Biden liberal dominant regime, and- But only if those are the specific elites, all right? Not, not, not Steve Bannon, you know, not the banking industry. It's specifically just those ones that we're constantly demonizing, such as the Democratic Party and big tech right now. So that's, that's a very interesting point to, to make. Those are the elites, and so I must be populist. Even though populism extends like the elites extend beyond your political enemies. The education. He's, he's, he's just like Ben Shapiro and Tucker Carlson. He's funded by billionaires to defend their, their private property through political propaganda. What, what are we doing here? Establishment, which is utterly upending liberal education. If, if those are the elites, I'm out, right? And that's what you're seeing here. And you're seeing all these unwashed peasants on these internet boards eating their chicken tendies. You're seeing them out Fox. The elites that the Wall Street bets, if they're actually moving against them, because it's hard since it's a decentralized movement, everybody's doing it for their own interests. But um, the thing about hedge fund companies is that they're literally there only to generate profit. They actually produce nothing other than trading stocks. So like that is the elite that they're fighting against, which for some reason you failed to bring up. Why? There's a very specific group of elites here that are being focused on, and it's hedge fund companies and big banks. Wall Street is the elite, not 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 Democrats, not Republicans, not uh, big tech who obviously participates in the stock market, but Tesla or Elon Musk is having a grand time in the middle of all of this. It's specifically hedge fund companies and banks who use the stock market to generate profit without it having to produce anything but the actual movement of money. The Wall Street elite. And they are not, they are not liking that very much. So now the financial establishment is pushing back. They're trying to shut these guys down. You know, in a way, the media understands this thing. So, so Chris Saliza at CNN posted this piece yesterday that, that people made fun of, but he actually had sort of a point. He said, how Trumpism explains the GameStop stock surge. And it is this kind of a negative article, but if you take the preference out of it and you just look at the phenomenon, yes, it does sort of explain that. But then other media outlets do the same thing they do to all the Trump people. They say, well, the only way to explain what's going on right now is to say that the people doing this have awful, terrible intentions and they're evil and they're bigoted and they're neo-Nazis and they're white supremacists and we got to shut the whole thing down. They're, they're, the, the elites are making the exact same mistake with regard to this kind of frivolous financial. I did see like one article whose headline had said that this was like a grander problem of white supremacy. And no, I just, I don't even agree with that sentiment that's coming from 
uh, liberal news media. But on top of this, like the fact that he's bringing it up is just to do the same thing over and over again, build that victimhood oppression and the fake idea that the state is coming for white supremacists who they think is everybody that supports Trump. It's amazing that he was able to fit it into this segment, but um, I, I hate that the like certain liberal news or liberals just keep giving them that ammo because it's just them missing the mark as well. ...phenomenon that they have for the, the political phenomenon. And just like Trumpism, it isn't going anywhere. This is only more evidence that, sure, you can vanquish Trump for now, but you're not getting rid of the forces that propelled Trump and that, that have supported him. These are not the forces that propelled Trump. Like, this is completely separate from Trump. The thing is, though, is that as income inequality keeps rising, banks keep profiting. Even during a pandemic, the stock market rises to unbelievable levels. And austerity measures from neoliberalist policies keep extending forward. That's going to lead to another Trump. So this idea of people fighting back against hedge fund companies and Wall Street being a part of Trump's movement, asinine. And it's only him drawing that through line specifically for conservatives and those disaffected enough to actually believe that Trump had their best interests in mind ever. He never did. He was always in it for himself. Um, so. Mother Jones, the liberal outlet, I guess even further leftist outlet, is looking at the GameStop Wall Street bets phenomenon and following up on what the CNN types are saying, saying this isn't just Trumpism. This is neo-Nazism. This is white supremacy. Uh, one reporter from Mother Jones says, I can report from the Telegram channels that the Nazis appear to be trading GameStop and AMC as well. Now, why, why would someone say that? Uh, I like some of Mother Jones reporting, but they have missed the mark as well several times. Um, of course, there's going to be a d diverse group of people participating in this action. And we're not I'm not going to say that necessarily like neo-Nazis or white supremacists aren't anti-establishment because they are fervently against neoliberalism. But the, the their their ultimate goal doesn't involve the dismantling of institutions, but the redirection in ensuring a ultra nationalist, American exceptionalist, traditionalist uh you know, kind of political organizing and cultural change. So they don't really want, they're not that anti-establishment as far as it goes to the, like the foundations and institutions of this country. Like most of the libertarians don't want to get rid of the stock market. They merely um, want to remove government regulation or even government interference with the stock market. So in a way that's anti-establishment, but not quite, not, not wholly anti-establishment. Um, so like, yeah, I don't know why mother Jones really felt the need to report on the fact that neo-Nazis were also trading in this stock. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Why would someone say, I, I don't, how, how do you know that's the Nazis trading this? How, how do when you go to telegram, you can know, you, you will know for sure. Telegram. Oh yeah. You, you will know for sure by their speech. I mean, I mean, to Mother Jones, everyone to the right of Hillary Clinton is a Nazi. See, that's what I'm saying. He's, he made that through line there. They give them this ammo and then they use it to make everybody feel victimized by 
uh, a caricature, a stereotype that they aren't necessarily just because they're conservatives, even though conservatives tend to bump shoulders with white supremacists, though. That's the thing to to mark here. And that's the unfortunate thing that everybody who was totally against or totally for gaming this hedge fund company and also um, just dunking on Wall Street, like they're going to bump shoulders with people who don't necessarily ideologically agree with them. But he's using this yet again to be like all Trump supporters are being painted as white supremacists by the left and this isn't true and how can they hate us so much and it's just i hate that the, the the liberal media is constantly feeding them this ammo when it's totally unnecessary at a time when like white supremacy doesn't necessarily need to be part of the conversation i think the reason to say that is because it justifies shutting it all down if it's nazi if it's ordinary internet trolls eating chicken tenders you, you don't have a good argument to shut shut down trading on this stock because ordinary people are doing what institutional investors have done for a long time. But if it's Nazis, you can do whatever you want. A reporter for The Hill, a much more mainstream outlet, writes to the reporter from Mother Jones, what is your sense of the overlap between the Wall Street Bets people and the Nazis on Telegram and elsewhere who stormed the Capitol? Ooh, good. Maybe we can use the FBI to go to their homes and, and shut them down and put them in prison and take away all their money. They can't do this, darn it. Discord, a social media platform, shut down the Wall Street Bets account for hate speech. For hate speech, because they drove. The Reddit subreddit was shut down by Reddit as well. Um. GameStop and AMC and BlackBerry, because they drove them through the roof to wreck some Wall Street investors for the lols, for the laughs, they booted them for hate speech. This is the same thing you, you see done to conservatives. Whenever they walk a little bit away from the liberal establishment, whenever they question in any way the dominant liberal regime, what are we told? We're told that's hate speech, that's bigotry, it's dangerous, it's a threat. Uh, you're a Nazi, you're a white supremacist, and we've got to, we've got to censor you. NASDAQ is considering halting trading to let the investors, quote, recalibrate. NASDAQ CEO Adina Friedman that said that uh, the exchange could halt trading activity for stocks in the event that they were targeted by these internet users. So this isn't necessarily the same situation that's going on with like big tech and censorship of misinformation, which he keep everybody on the right wing keeps saying that it's just the silence of conservatives, but it's misinformation specifically or even hate speech because yet again, like I said, conservatives bump shoulders with white supremacists and other bigots. Um, the thing is, though, that like this concerted effort that comes from different sections of our uh, basically establishment or the powers that be are going to continue to try and regulate or even uh, not just downplay, but um, kind of harm the movements that hurt the status quo or the establishment. So this isn't necessarily like it's not OK. And I think the class action lawsuits should go through and we should definitely make sure that the stock market isn't being manipulated to harm the small investors that did this. Um, or bail out the company that whose short short selling actually backfired on them. We shouldn't bail them out either. Um, but like, it's just obvious that the powers that be don't want to play a game where average people can succeed extraordinarily well. They want to keep playing the rigged game where their their country clubs are closed off. So um, yeah. <laughs> 
So you're going to let these giant bigwigs on Wall Street have a, have a completely unfair advantage on investing when their stocks get, when their investments get threatened. But ordinary people, what happens when you're, with, with far less knowledge, by the way, what happens when you lose some money in the markets? Do they, do they stop trading on NASDAQ for you? I don't think so. The White House, for their measure, are monitoring the situation. Jen Psaki, the press secretary, was asked about this, and she had a typically profound answer. Is the White House concerned about the stock market activity we're seeing around GameStop, um, and now with some other stocks as well, uh, including the, the subsidiary or whatever, the, the company that was uh, Blockbuster? Um, and have there been any conversations with the F- SEC about uh, how to proceed? Well, um, I'm also happy to repeat that we have the first female Treasury Secretary and a team that's surrounding her and often questions about market will send to them. Hold on. That was a terrible response. That was a terrible response. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I hate when me and the right kind of feel the same, but then we have different outcomes. Uh, but that was a terrible response. What? <laughs> Hey, uh, this is the strangest day in the markets that we've had in a uh, hundred years. Uh, do, or what's going on? I could say a hundred years, but honestly, it's more like uh, 13. Over there. Uh, well, I'd like to remind you that the Treasury Secretary has breasts. I don't know why he had to reshape the narrative like that when it was ridiculous without really exaggerating it that far. Like, I don't know why we had to add like a tinge of misogyny into it. Like, I, I get, like, maybe it's a little bit misogynistic to be like, well, we have our first woman there, but, like, why do you have to highlight the fact that, like, the the most, like, expressive thing about women to show how ridiculous that statement was without, like, it was already ridiculous. Why? Why? Why, Michael? Okay. Uh, can you tell us anything about the markets? She identifies as a woman, and her pronouns are she and her? Yes, uh, yes, Jen Psaki, I, I understand all that, but I need things that matter. I need information. <laughs> I need information that matters, not just your ridiculous liberal identity politics claptrap. I hope you enjoyed that. Clip. I, I, I just, I don't like the way he ended up going about that at the end. Like, I, I under, I get that was a poorly. Uh, swerved question, but like really going in on identity politics at the end there, just because like, oh, you liberals in your identity politics all the time. It's just ugh, ugh, makes me feel gross. All right, Benny, it's your turn. Daily Wire continues. Alrighty, so today I'm going and I, to... I have watched this before and there's two not one, but two ads for ExpressVPN in this. And so I'm going to have to fast forward, which is good that I viewed this beforehand because I would have seen those unexpectedly. But two, he put two in a nine minute segment. To explain what just happened with GameStop. To put it mildly, it's been a wild ride for GameStop, which at one point here has been valued at more than Delta Airlines, which is very weird because GameStop for people who have visited it is basically a swap meet meets blockbuster for video games. Uh, basically, here's what happened. So at the beginning of January, they had a change in leadership and that caused some optimism at the company. But some people thought that the optimism was sort of overvalued at the company in hedge fund world. So 
what happened is all of those hedge fund traders, they short sold the stock. So I'm going to explain what exactly happened and then how a bunch of people on Reddit basically screwed all of those hedge fund guys. It's pretty unbelievable. We'll get to that in just one second. First, I want to remind you, you need and to then check- there's the VPN app. Um, just before we get into what he said, I did find it interesting that this broke on Wall Street Bets about two hours ago. SEC reviewing recent trading validity amid GameStop frenzy vows to protect retail investors. Those retail investors are the Redditors or the small investors, so I find that very interesting. Um, I wonder how maybe that could be used in the right-wing narratives uh, to protect business interests, but so far we're not seeing that wholeheartedly they're going on the side of this is a funny prank and we like what's going on <laughs> but it shouldn't be taken seriously seriously though shouldn't, shouldn't shouldn't take it seriously and i i found this video pretty interesting um it comes from a very wealthy person here we go the reason the market is doing what it's doing is people are sitting at home getting the checks from the government okay and this fair share is a bullshit concept it's just a way of attacking wealthy people, and, you know, I think it's inappropriate. We all got to work together and pull together. The reason... <laughs> uh, oh, man, the stock market soared during uh, the pandemic when average Americans got $1,200, and he's so pissed about it. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't, I don't see his name. Uh, but he's obviously some kind of a uh, wealthy investor. Um, there, his name isn't just highlighted here, but that's so funny. <laughs> the first comment is, "Can we make this man poor somehow?" <laughs> uh, that comes from the needle drop. He reviews music on YouTube. That's pretty funny. Uh, People for Bernie said Bernie 2020 literally released a video that put the words "sad billionaire" over Leon Cooperman, who I guess that's who that is. Uh, let's check out that. Yeah. So apparently he complains a lot when his uh, his uh, financial interests are, I guess, being attacked. That's funny. That's really funny. All right. So now we got to fast forward past Benny's ExpressVPN bullshit. Two ads in one segment, man. Like, come on. Two ads, one segment. Like, don't. Do, do one. Let's see is so we have a couple of players in our short sale okay if you want to if, if you believe a value is overpriced for a stock if you think that a stock is overpriced then you engage in what's called a short sale so you can capture the value of the overpricing here's how it works you have a hedge fund guy we're going to call that guy bruce because everybody hates bruce um uh i guess in a way you could say that Short selling starts when uh, they are overpricing their stock, but uh, normally you just do it if a stock is going to drop. Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be like overpriced. That that would mean that GameStop was uh, committing fraud. Um, it's simply when the stock price is going to fail. It's going to fall. And so then they can sweep up those really cheap stocks. So... Um, overpricing not 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 a hundred percent bruce right so here's bruce okay so you got bruce over a one month period bruce believes that the stock of gamestop is going to drop right this is this is one month okay so what does bruce do he doesn't own any stock 
in GameStop because he doesn't like GameStop. He thinks that it's actually not a company that is of great value. So what does Bruce do? He goes to a broker, right? The broker then proceeds to lend Bruce the stock, okay? The stock is moving from the broker to Bruce. Bruce is going to borrow that stock for a month. Then, one month from now, Bruce is going to give that stock back to the broker plus some sort of percentage fee. So let's just say that Bruce is going to give the, for the sake of easy math, the broker back the stock plus 10 bucks. So Bruce, in one month, is then going to reverse the transaction, he's going to return the stock to the broker plus 10 bucks. Okay, now, Bruce, again, he thinks that the stock is overpriced right now. And if you're paying attention to this, uh, essentially the broker loses nothing because either way, they're going to make money off of either the investor succeeding and, uh, and, and making profits and paying those fees, or they're also going to make their money back if the, the stock continues to rise and that money that the, uh, or the stocks that they borrowed, they have to pay back at a higher value. So either way, the broker is going to be fine. So now Bruce has the stock. So what does Bruce do? Let's say that the stock price is 50 bucks for the sake of argument. So Bruce then goes to the market and he is going to sell this stock, right? He's gonna sell the stock that he has borrowed to the market. Okay, and Bruce in return is going to receive, Bruce now has $50 in his pocket. Now, the month progresses. Bruce has no stock, but he has to return the stock back to the broker. So what does he do? He waits for a month. Now, because Bruce was right, the stock price dropped. So Bruce can now buy the stock from the market, right? So the market is now going to sell the stock to Bruce. And Bruce, it's, let's say it's dropped to 20 bucks, is going to pay $20 to the market. So that means that Bruce sold the stock at 50. He bought the stock at 20. So that means that he made $30 on that transaction. Then he has to return the stock plus 10 bucks to the broker. So now he has made 20 bucks on the transaction, right? So here's what everybody at the end of the day got from that transaction. So the broker got the stock plus 10 bucks and Bruce ends up clearing a profit of 20 bucks after all that is said and done. Okay, that's what Bruce is hoping for if the value of the stock has dropped. Now, here's what the GameStop guys did. Alrighty, so before we get to more of this- Oh own... God, there it is. The second VPN advertisement in the middle of explaining how the stock market works. You got it, you understand now? Okay, now to talk about VPN, like, come on, man, that's not that's not how you teach a class. Could you imagine if your teacher like stopped to be like, all right, now about PowerPoint. And it's just like, well, how am I gonna retain all this information? VPN.com. Ah! There's a, a Reddit thread called Wall Street Bets. And they noticed that there were a lot of Bruces and all the Bruces were short selling the stock. All the Bruces were basically betting. All these Bruces were uh, collectively in one uh, segment though. We need to highlight that is that it was mostly Melvin Capital, a hedge fund company that pulls together rich people's money to invest or I guess even short sell. That they were gonna be paying back the broker, the stock, right now, but they don't actually have the stock, right? They haven't actually bought the stock yet, right? They're, they're planning on buying the stock right before they sell They've it back borrowed to and the broker. Sold it. So they don't have the stock. So what do the subreddit guys do? What the subreddit guys do is they say, okay, what if we just Bruce? 
What if what we, what if what we actually do here is drive up the price of the stock? Right? So now when Bruce, let's say he sells it for 50 bucks because he thinks it's going to be down at 20 a month from now. Now the month has passed, right? Well, we're now in this period. So the Reddit guys, what do they do? They say, we are going to artificially boost the price of the stock because all of us are going to get together. We're going to buy up all the stock that exists in GameStop. We're going to buy like all of it. And so the price is not going to be $20 for Bruce to actually buy the stock so that he can pay back the broker. Instead, the stock is going to be $200, right? So now Bruce is really screwed because Bruce sold the stock for 50, but now he has to buy the stock for 200. So that means that Bruce is no longer up 20 bucks. Now, Bruce is down 160 bucks, right? So that is what they are doing in short. They are are basically screwing Bruce beyond belief by artificially boosting the price of the stock. Now, here's the thing. They're not taking into account the market fundamentals. They don't care about the market fundamentals. They don't care that GameStop actually is not worth 200 bucks in terms of the stock. So what does that mean? This means that this- But it is. It's not an artificial investment when everybody pulls their money in to increase the value of the stock. It's not a pump and dump. Come on. Again, like downplaying it by saying they're ignoring market fundamentals when it's exactly part of market fundamentals. That it didn't do what Bruce anticipated and rather it did the opposite and now Bruce still has to play within the the the, the lines of the game as the investors of GameStop did. And GameStop hopefully feels the responsibility to return that investment rather than uh, wasting it and that money just uh, then becoming sold and then GameStop goes out of business and then we repeat the cycle again of hedge fund companies short selling it as soon as it starts dropping really hard and making a ton of money. It only works and this can only continue so long as the price of the stock remains high because once the price of the stock begins to drop, if he continues to buy short sales, then as the price of the stock drops, you go back to your original calculation, right? If the price of the stock goes back down to 20 bucks, then Bruce is okay. You can still buy all of the stock back. So they can keep screwing Bruce for as long as possible just by holding the stock. And that's why you're seeing things like hold the line, do not sell, trending on Twitter. Because all these Reddit guys are like, the longer we do this, the more the hedge fund guys get screwed. Because what the hedge fund guys are doing in order to combat the fact that they're losing money on each one of these deals is number one, they have to buy the stock in order to pay back the broker, or at least they have to pay the broker some money. And two, they realize that at a certain point, yeah, yeah. point this is going to give way. Because all the people who bought, all the Reddit guys who bought, eventually they're going to realize, whoa, hold up a second. I can make a lot of money by selling the stock right now, right? That will drop the stock price eventually, but I will clear this giant profit in the meantime. So what the big hedge fund guys are doing is they are betting even more into short, right? They're saying, okay, for sure the stock is going to drop. We know it's going to drop. It's just a matter of time for it to drop. So what they are actually doing is creating more of an impetus for people to continue buying the stock and setting the stock price higher because the more that they short squeeze, called the short squeeze, the more they short squeeze the brokers, the more that the brokers are going to have to pay in order to in order to fulfill the promises that they have made to the brokers in the first place. The more Bruce's they screw, the more money they can make. But that only holds true so long as you can hold the line, so long as there's a collective action not to just sell right now and drop the price of the stock. So that is what is going on right now. Now, in the midst of all of this, a bunch of tech companies have decided they don't like what the what the Reddit guys are doing. They don't like that the Reddit guys are screwing the Bruce guys. And there are a couple of reasons they're saying this. One is they're saying that the Reddit guys, they don't care about the underlying value of the stock. They don't care about the fact that they are now trading the stock in multiple times what it actually is probably worth. 
What they really care about is screwing the Bruce's of the world, and this is screwing up the market mechanism. So that's kind of a, that's a somewhat fair criticism. The other thing... Not really. Not really. Because, again, if GameStop is able to utilize its position, they can actually return the investment as the, as the stock market works. Um, so it like Ben's argument plays on the case that uh, GameStop's going to do absolutely nothing with the investments in huge spike in capital that it now has. But uh, just want to highlight this story here um, because it's not necessarily a fair criticism to shut them out just because they're a bunch of trolls. And so the re the market can go back to balance and GameStop can go out of business. Uh, CNN business reports a Robinhood customer filed a class action lawsuit against the stock trading company app Thursday after the company barred traders from buying shares of GameStop promoted by wall street bets, a popular Reddit group for investors. The lawsuit filed in the Southern district of New York claims that Robinhood's actions rigged the market against its customers. Quote, Robinhood's actions were done purposefully and knowingly to manipulate the market for the benefit of people and financial institutes who were not Robinhood's customers, the lawsuit states. Robinhood did not respond uh, for request uh, to a request for a comment. I want to know whether or not they highlighted Robinhood's possible conflict of interest. Um, there's a new subreddit called Class Action Robinhood. Um, uh, do, 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 I'm trying to find the specific issue Robinhood has because it, it has connections to Melvin Capital, and I'm trying to find the article that draws that through line. I spelled connection wrong. That's funny. Uh, financial ties between Robinhood and funds shorting GME fall under scrutiny. This is from Cointelegraph.com. Um, let's see. However, let's see. Citadel and Point72 Asset Management came to the investment firm's rescue on Monday, investing $2.75 billion in Melvin and patching the problem while the firm seemingly looked for more lasting solutions. Within a few days, Robinhood would go on to restrict trading for GME and others, effectively preventing retail investors from purchasing more shares of the stocks. While still far higher than it was earlier this month, the price of GME has fall has halved today, dropping from 462.42 to 231.57 at the time of this publication at the time of this recording it's at 357 um according to a june report from the financial times 30 39 million dollars of robin hood's revenues from equities and options order flow came from citadel securities a market maker sister firm of citadel at the time this represented more than 35 percent of the trading platform's revenues holy crap the same people that bailed out melvin capital and help them cover their losses um, because if the if the price continued to rise they would have had to pay more they still would have had to pay more until they closed their position and they did close their position already uh, in summary citadel is one of robin hood's biggest customers citadel invested in melvin which is potentially facing trouble because a bunch of investors from reddit decided they didn't like a major hedge telling the market to crush gamestop 
Many of the Redditors used Robinhood to buy GameStop shares. Now Robinhood has severely restricted trading for GameStop. So that uh, I find interesting isn't really reported through right-wing media, nor is it on uh, mainstream, I guess, liberal media. But uh, what they call what it? What do they call it? Uh, I can't remember. It's like it's not legendary. It's something else. Uh, I can't remember it. Shoot. They don't like is they don't like the people getting screwed. They don't like that it's the hedge fund guys that they normally trade with who are getting screwed. So what you have seen is places like Robinhood say we're not going to allow you to continue to buy up the stock and continue to artificially inflate. And by say, simply saying that Robinhood just doesn't like this uh, pe people power ignores the possible financial ties that like the broader picture here that's going on that Citadel is a customer of Robinhood and Citadel is well invested in Melvin Capital who is the central hedge fund to the the short selling of GameStop. So by ignoring that, I feel like it doesn't really grant the broader picture to everybody. Plate the price of the stock, right? You're seeing other places take down subreddit boards, right? The subreddit board was actually taken down. The folks who did that said, oh, it was to ban hate speech. It was not to ban hate speech. It was not to ban violent speech. It was specifically done in order to undercut the market for GameStop stock. It was deliberately done in order to create a sellable market. So people would start selling their stock immediately and the price would go back down and people would stop getting screwed over in Bruce world. Okay. So that's exactly what's going on with GameStop right now. You can be on either side of that. You can be on neither side of that. You have to admit that this is legitimately one of the funniest things that has ever happened in the history of Wall Street. He focuses in on how funny it is, but I think it's pretty momentous, especially when you realize how close Citadel, Melvin, and Robinhood are. It's kind of like the market kind of showing its its face there, that um, when there's ties to stock market, they will collaborate together to shut down their uh, the antithesis to their interests. So um, keep paying attention to the financial ties between Robinhood and the hedge fund Melvin Capital because that's important. Um, and that's going to be it for this segment. We will be back with how Dave Rubin is shocked at how fast our world is changing. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, that's that's the general overview of how the right is talking about this situation. And it's mostly to undermine the, the, the actual uh, potential power of the movement. Uh, just because it's decentralized and they can make it look like a bunch of uh, millennial uh, ramen eating, hot pocket consuming, chicken tendy internet trolls, um, which some of that is true. But also you have to acknowledge the fact that this made a huge wave in the stock market and really changed people's perspective on the on the stock market and how to uh, operate in a post hedge fund world. But uh, we'll be back shortly with more talks news.
And we're back with more of that sweet, sweet toxicity. And the reason why I'm covering this Dave Rubin video is simply for the lols. Um, he <laughs> he uh, doesn't have many ties in the right-wing media that haven't dunked on him, and he's kind of the butt of a joke for a lot of leftists. And so I was hoping to get into this, just uh, just a you know a little chill-back video. It's only seven minutes long. How, how bad could it be? But uh, yeah, we're going to close it out with that after all of that stock market nonsense. Oh, man. I can't wait for this. Uh, just remember that Larry King took a phone call on his show for five minutes while he just sat there just seething with like, why is my idol doing this to me? So I want to no. ask you about two things. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about what your liberal friends are saying about Biden now in California. But at first, let's before we leave COVID, um, Gavin Newsom, all of a sudden he found Jesus and he was like, <laughs> we've all been healed and uh, is is opened outdoor dining. Yeah. And next week, maybe some additional openings. Um, what, what was the what was the religion he found? What I find very interesting is that we're still in like the worst of the pandemic and it's not really uh, a great idea to not have lockdowns and paying people to stay home, especially when we have the most deaths in the most cases. Um, but uh, we're not going to do that. So I find it very interesting that now Gavin Newsom is doing that thing that they that the conservatives have been like just ringing about, about like how you have to reopen the economy, get business going so people can live dignified lives. And now that it's actually happening, it's something that they have to counteract and make uh, Ga Gavin Newsom look ridiculous about. I don't really like Gavin Newsom. I don't like a lot of establishment. Uh, leadership, but uh, I just want to highlight here how, like, for the longest time, they're like, open it, open it. And now that when he did, uh, they're just like, how ridiculous is this? It's an abject load of BS. <clears throat> this guy is the worst. When you think about what the worst sort of elitist politician who uh -huh. wants to live one way and have their, their minions live another way, mm -hmm. it is, he is the poster boy you know what i mean he's the he like dave rubin is a pro at calling politicians uh tin pot dictators without calling them tin pot dictators you know the, you know the whole french laundry story yeah, and, yeah. i mean 22 people went out to dinner not social distancing no masks fifteen thousand dollars in alcohol i know you don't drink glenn holy cow that's, that's a lot of alcohol and i listen you know i like <laughs> wine but yeah. that's fifteen thousand dollars for 22 people okay so that's about 750 bucks in alcohol per person not even the meal okay Wow. Look, look, it's just obvious what this guy has done, which is that this thing was political. These lockdowns were political. They wanted to take out Trump. If the lockdowns made any sense, then the numbers in Florida and Texas would be exponentially higher than in places like New York and California. And the simple truth. But those places also have accusations of undercounting their their cases, um, especially Florida. So I, I just find that that to be very interesting it is not only are they not in many cases they're actually less it's just it's just that simple like if you told me lockdowns work all right well let's look at it we got a lockdown place we got an open place right it's as simple as that and i've been to i'm here in texas and right. i've been to florida and right. guess what a lot of happy people you can see people smiling and yeah. going out and business as usual it's a, it's a it's well it's not business as usual yeah. to, to to us 
Yeah. What's happening in Texas is draconian. Yeah. I mean, we don't like what's happening right, so in not, Texas. Of course, yeah, not but, business as usual in that sense. I'm yeah, at the hotel now yeah. and I still have to wear a mask and, and yeah. that sort of thing. But relative... Relative to you and where you're living. So is this... <laughs> Dave Rubin is never on somebody else's show and not caught slipping. That's funny as fuck. Is this because the election is over or is this because the Recall Gavin uh, movement is actually... So, I mean, a bit of criticism that I have for Joe Biden is that uh, about a, you know, at the beginning of his uh, presidency, he was asked if he wanted to uh, do another kind of like like a stay at home order two um, to have, you know, more widespread lockdowns. And I don't think you can do that without actually paying people to stay home. Uh, because apparently the the, co- the the economy and the profit needs to be continued. Um, so, like, that came out, and it kind of goes alongside the fact that Biden said we're not going to be able to reverse the trajectory of where we are with COVID in the next couple of months, which we're at the highest death rates that we've ever been and the cases are still piling on. Um, so that to me, like is a failure, a bit of leadership by Biden to rely wholeheartedly on a vaccine rollout to, uh, help this situation when again, we should have been flattening the curve a long time ago for a lot longer and we should have been paying people in order to do so. So we're dealing with a situation that's going to continue to get worse and the Republicans are going to capitalize that as a democratic problem. Uh, even if it doesn't mean that there's more lockdowns, it might even be the opposite. They're going to start pointing at the fact like Democrats have failed to actually decrease the amount of cases and deaths. So, yeah. Probably going to happen. I, th- I think it's both. It's one is they got the result they wanted. So the people that are all about unity now and everything else is like, well, we got what we want. So it's time to heal and, and unify, which, of course, we know if they didn't get what they want, you think they'd be talking about unity and healing. Mm-hmm. And if we suddenly were like, mm-hmm. OK, unity and healing, they'd be saying, wait a minute, the yeah, white supremacists right. are in charge of everything. Right. So so that's one level of it. I think the other level is that he's really worried. I mean, I think from what I understand, they have about one point three of the one point five million signatures. They want uh, 1.8. They want 1.8 because they know there'll be all oh, sorts yeah. of games played. And as I was telling you during the break, you know, you have to sign its hand signatures so you can't do it online. So they also keep you locked in your house. So it's harder to even find a place where you can go and sign the thing. It's amazing they've got that this far in the middle of the shutdown. I mean, it's yeah. incredible that there's this close With already. all of the rules, too. With I all mean, the rules. They, yeah. Everybody could vote. They just send ballots out. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but right. to recall one of these cretins. Yeah. Right. You can't do that. It's strange they don't do the recalls yeah. by, yeah, sure. <laughs> by mail ballot. Um, <laughs> I do think he will get recalled. And, and what I would pray for is that somebody sane, maybe a Rick Grinnell, who, who you know, is from SoCal mm-hmm. and was in the Trump administration and was our ambassador to Germany, and, he, and he's a great he's, guy. He's a really great guy. And a fighter, because mm-hmm. you're going to need, it's not just that you need someone to come in and be a little saner than Newsom. The machine, when people talk about the swamp and the D.C. machine and all yeah, that, yeah. the California machine is like, I oh, mean, yeah. this is a one-party state of the extreme level so we'll, well it's not just you recall him and then suddenly so, things get better so what are your liberal friends i mean because they've got kids too they've got to be seeing the deterioration of their kids <sighs> over a year is anybody talking about like these labor unions for for schools what what the hell are you doing they don't want to go back to school right and now biden's telling them right. not to go back to school i mean it's actually crazy again 
that's you know we are i already covered all of this in a previous episode i think it was the uh detoxing ted cruz and teachers unions and all of that um so i think it's just kind of unfortunate that they're still taking out context of like zoom classes and uh what exactly the teachers are requiring that the schools reopen and that joe biden's also on the side of creating a safe environment to reopen schools um, they're just perpetuating the idea that they're keeping everything and everyone under draconian lockdowns. And it, you know, I can't see how that's not going to feed in the right wing militias that were already anti lockdown and thinking that this is part of tyranny and that this has to be overthrown. I don't see how this isn't going to feed into that narrative. You know, so. It was 10 months ago, almost a year ago, two weeks to flatten the curve. Yesterday, Biden's telling us about a 100-day federal mask mandate. What? But this is what I mean. Things are changing so quickly that we're forgetting what last week was like. Mm -hmm. The internet has done something to our brains, and Twitter and the endless news feed and the, the whole mm -hmm. thing that we talk about mm -hmm. all the time is doing something so that things happen so fast that, you know, when George Orwell... I, I, I Well, God, he was bringing up Orwell. I kind of agree a little bit, but the thing is, though, is that this has actually been part of America for a while, is that we only really focus in on what the media is having us focus in. Um, while the Internet does uh, open up like a flood of access to information and events happening globally, um, it's not really necessarily something too new for Americans, is that we have something happen and then about a week later or even a month later, we have moved on. So... Um, you know, and that's kind of what they want with the insurrection on January 6th. They want everybody to just move on from that when it's a much more serious situation that's going to evolve. So. Oh, wrote about, the you know, things getting put into the memory hole. Trump will be memory hold. Oh, yeah. All of the all of the things that have happened over the years that don't fit the narrative will be memory hold. We forget. So suddenly you're like, oh, well, why not? A hundred more days of masks and a hundred right. more days of this. And OK, and then guess what? In a hundred days, they'll say, oh, you know, we just. Now the UK strain actually morphed with the Brazilian strain. Right. And I'm sorry, but you're going to have to live underground for right. three years. And people <laughs> will go, oh. You know, and the, the thing about that is, is that that is a actual possibility. What I find very interesting about the coronavirus is that there's been already like three or four different variants. So like the, like the contagiousness of this virus and its ability to cross... Um, species lines like the possibility that we got it from bats and then there was a uh ferret uh i think it was ferrets it was uh, some kind of rodent out in the uh netherlands that had a new variant so like the the ability for this virus with its contagiousness and then also its mutations happening very rapidly i uh yeah this this is actually a possibility as you know we there's a there's a variant right now that we know of that's in the U, U, uk um and we question whether already it's it's here in america and then there's also the variant in south africa which seems to actually not respond to their vaccines so they may have to make an alternative and you can play you can put on your tinfoil hat and say this is all manufactured if you want to but then that ultimately just kind of harms the reduction of the spread and the com the combativeness of this virus um so i i don't really see him proposing any solutions because the only way to actually stamp out a virus is to de uh, decrease and destroy the spread of the virus that was how um we were able to knock out polio and smallpox from the united states is because people weren't catching it and spreading it 
okay. I mean, I had it. I was. I don't think so. You know, the the people in where is it? We're Sweden not going underground. Or, that would be nice. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, they're revolting. Now, yeah, they're finally. revolting. Yeah. Sweden, the Swedes. I know. I mean, they don't do that. No. And if the Swedes are starting to stand up against their government, uh, you've got something going on in the world. Yeah. Something big going on. You know, I was in yes. Sweden a couple of years ago, and I was on tour with Jordan Peterson. And one of the things in have you been to Sweden? Yeah, I love yeah, it. I mean, the thing about like, and I think Poland's having anti-lockdown things going on too. And there was another country that I had just seen. They were they're a little bit more third world, so they don't have a lot of the resources that we do. But I mean, putting people under lockdown, but not giving them access to. Um, economic means to continue their lives or even the purchasing of commodities to keep the economy going like putting people in lockdown isn't the answer there has to be remedies that go alongside it and i've always argued for this point there's no point in putting people under lockdowns without giving them the financial resources in order to continue living um, but they don't want to argue for that either they'll constantly bring up well we, what about our deficit we can't keep printing out money I mean, one of the things that's remarkable about Sweden is, especially here in the Stockholm area, it's it's so clean. Uh-huh. Every, everyone looks perfect. Yep. They all look yeah. like they walked out of a magazine. Everyone looks like they just bought their clothes yeah. that morning. So yeah. these are people, to your point, that are kind of satisfied with life. Yeah. So they the idea it. that you've got the people of Sweden- Which is strange because they pay so much in taxes. Why? I thought, I thought that was something that we wanted to avoid entirely. Because, I mean, how can you have such clean streets if you aren't paying such exuberantly high taxes? And yet there's something to admire here in this in this specific point. But when we come to their democratic socialism, ooh, ooh, no can do, buddy. Sweden now, and we're yeah. seeing this through a couple of the Nordic countries. I think it's mm-hmm. happening in Denmark, too, mm-hmm. they, that you have these people now revolting. How far can you push people? And it's and we're being pushed in every way. I heard you guys. And it's very interesting to say revolting. Uh, I feel like it exaggerates the situation, because if we consider our anti-lockdown protests to be revolts, then, you know, they were pretty big failures um they were a big flex but they didn't actually get substantial change um and i wonder like how much biden is afraid of doing these extended long town uh, uh or these extended lockdowns in a time of such volatility in the country when we do have mobilized militias who are completely anti-democratic policies and i'm talking guys talking about the GameStop thing everyone so the average person that's now getting in the game is now being told they can't get in the game Correct. and you're locked in your house Correct. and big tech might take you out. This, this, the Great Reset yesterday, we were talking about uh, how they say that you're going to have skin in the game because it's stakeholder Good, yeah. capitalism, okay? And when you dig into it and you're like, okay, they say you're going to be a part of it. You're going to get the benefits of it. And finally, you'll get the benefits. How do you get the benefits? I'm not at the table. I'm not. I'm not even in Davos. I, I, you won't even really show me everything that's going on, and you're certainly not asking me for my opinion. Uh, well, they say because your representative government is is in place of you, Glenn. You know when somebody <laughs> when somebody tells you how good of a friend they are all the time. Yeah. Constitutional representative republic works is that they are elected in place of people. Now, if we wanted to go towards a direct democracy conversation, they got to stop bashing mail out ballots or mail in ballots. Um, the Great Reset is both like a conspiracy theory because people are building it around the Great Reset that was uh, named in June 2020. Um, but 
uh, Wikipedia says the Great Reset is the name of the June 2020 50th, 50th annual meeting of the World Economic Forum, bringing together high profile business and uh, political leadership convened by the Prince of Wales and the WEF World Economic Forum with the theme of rebuilding society and the economy in a more sustainable way following the COVID-19 pandemic. So they're building a conspiracy theory around, you know, basically elites trying to figure out how they're going to establish a, a, you know, basically an order after, you know, this virus has been introduced. And the thing is, is that we do have to worry about this virus past 2020 because of the way that it has spread, especially through the United States, but around the globe. So it is going to have variants. It is going to have mutations. So um, we have to kind of take that into account. The only thing that I worry about here is that the WEF is made up of people who aren't necessarily that interested in working class interests to in, in, in order to rebuild a society and economy that is more sustainable. So, um, yeah. That pretty much means they're not a good friend. <laughs> That's pretty much what these people are doing. When they're always, we're looking out for you. I know. You're not going to own anything, but you'll be taken care of. We're going to give you universal basic income. We're going to make your life better. No, it's so fundamentally the opposite. That's the unfortunate thing about neoliberalism is that it does say that the individual has their best interests in mind, but it also focuses in on business knowing what's best. So, um, I agree a bit with Dave Rubin here, but I'm not 100% sure there's like um, enough evidence or through line to post that on what's exactly going on here. But I would honestly admit that the power structures at B, the more that their power is threatened, the more that they will hold tighter to said power. So I kind of agree with Dave Rubin, but the people that they continually paint as enemies are not necessarily even the ones that are within their political lines, where I would say that there is a bit of Republican and conservatives and business interests within those parties that are also contributing to this so-called Great Reset. Um, but they're, they're focusing it in on these... Um, smaller enemies that aren't within their political party and kind of demonizing them rather than including the whole group of uh, business interests that continue to uh, benefit off of the austerity of working class. Of what, what anyone liberty-minded should think, which is just that, give, just give me a chance to live and get out of my way. That, that's all I ask for. That is all I ask. And that's why, like, I argue for socialism is because people's houses, food, health care um, should be provided. And in that way, you already have a dignified life and, you know, with less work hours are able to decide what to do with your day and maybe even transform your life into or manifest it into the human being that you want to you want to see. But they think that grants too much freedom to possible laziness or even lack of productivity. Um, but I think if we give everybody a baseline level of opportunity or equal opportunity, which is everybody has a house, everybody has food, everybody has a car, um, you know, that's the equal opportunity baseline. And then from there, people can create their outcomes. And it mostly drives in the autonomy and not having people dependent on subsistent living wages of 40 hour to 60 hour work weeks, which tend to continue like contain and control the amount of autonomy that you have over your life. That's where I think that's, that's what most of your listeners want in life is just the opportunity. It's, it's the it. American dream. Give me a chance to play yeah. in the game. And now we, the system is saying no. We, back in, in uh, FDR's day, they perverted the American dream and they made it a chicken in every pot and a right. car in every garage. 
that's not the American dream. No. The American dream was just leave me alone so I can make my own way. This was the only place in the world you could do it. But by saying it like that, that means you have to earn the house. You have to earn the car. You have to basically earn uh, your worth in living. You have to earn your value in society. And painting it in that way makes it sound like it's somebody's choice to do that. When in reality, if you don't make that choice, you're just going to starve and be homeless and then toss to the side of, of the waste bin of society. So by giving people those uh, baseline common necessities right there, then you allow people to then participate in society in which way they see fit. And now we are worse than some countries over in Europe. It is harder to do things here in America. We've lost a lot of our liberty. So that's it. Um, but yeah, liberties are kind of being crunched upon. But I think having uh, workers unions spread across almost every industry and having like a kind of forum for workers unions to try and balance out the political interests that are always meeting with each other. Um, not political, but also business. Um, by having broader unions and bargaining power in working class uh, citizens, then maybe we can start moving the pendulum towards a more egalitarian society where workers are also considered into the interests of the nations. Um, but uh, that's not what they're arguing here for is that, you know, we keep the status quo and stop interfering with people getting jobs and jobs are freedom. And like, that's not necessarily true. As soon as you sign that social contract or voluntary employment, then parts of your day, parts of your life and, you know, a pretty big portion of it is owned by the person who you agreed to work for. And that's why I think that unions need to be in place in order to make sure that there isn't high levels of exploitation going in on that. And then later reforming it so that people aren't necessarily required to earn capital for somebody throughout most of their day and they can start really choosing what they want to do with their lives. Um, but I, I didn't laugh as much as this in, in this as I thought, because Dave Rubin didn't say anything that was too ridiculous. He definitely was wrong, and he's on the wrong side of history, arguing for basically the 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 continuation of everything that's going on, but blaming everybody for the the problems that we face without providing any broader ish, uh, solutions. That that's what ended up happening. I thought I was gonna laugh more. That's 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 too bad. But, uh, you know, consider market socialism. Do some research in market socialism if you're not necessarily uh, into with uh, completely reforming everything. Market socialism actually just tries to focus in on creating more workers' co-ops and, you know, less alienating of laborers and giving more meaning into their work. And then maybe we can work into giving everybody their baseline uh, opportunities, uh, equal opportunity by having the same starting line as everybody else. Um, but I don't think eliminating, uh, or even achieving equality of outcomes really going to be a thing just because of the fact that everybody, there's always going to be people who work more or earn more or do those things. It's just the, the hoarding of wealth and uh, also the, the, the contradiction of holding people's days, eight hour days and saying that they're free is just, um, ridiculous it's ridiculous and it's so fascinating how uh the right-wing media or thought heads talking thought leaders 
have basically moved the goalpost that capitalism is the key to freedom um, when for a lot of people it is actually the shackles that hold them down. But that is just today for Tox News. I thank you for joining me and I hope to see you next time for another detoxifying day of bullshit. All right. So that's when the outro music's supposed to play and I fade away into the abyss of nothing. Got him. <laughs>